Cliff Kingsbury interviewed with the Chicago Bears before he ultimately took the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator position. The question now is what impact does that fact have on April's NFL draft? That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Commanders fans? Welcome to this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting this podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders to sign up today. And from there, you'll get news, analysis, one-on-one conversations with me via text message. No searching, no apps, no nothing, just your phone, your text messages, and you and me talking about all kinds of things commander-related. You also get bonus content like command huddles happening every week, live texts from practices, games, press conferences, events, and just anytime you need to reach out and talk about the Washington Commanders. So again, join subtext.com slash commanders to get in on that today. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for commandercountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers and everydayers. I appreciate you for your continued support for the show. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet that wins. That's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the latest in the coaching updates for the Washington Commanders staff. They're coming on a daily basis, so we are going to recap those moves. I'm not going to dive too deep into the actual coaches. We'll do that at a later time, but I do at least want to make sure you're up to date on who has been hired, who has been retained, so on and so forth. We're also going to talk about the mock drafts. Uh, this is mock draft season, and there's some things to remember when you are out there mock drafting because it can be a little bit of a dangerous world uh, if you don't know a few key important details about mock draft systems and machines and and all these other things. And we're also going to look at trade partners. The, the, the NFL draft is right around the corner, so the Washington Commanders could trade up, they could trade back. So we're going to look at five trade back partner, five trade partners just in general uh, for the Washington Commanders. But first, we are going to hear from insider Julian, who has a question about the true impact of Cliff Kingsbury, this NFL draft. Hey, David, how's it going? Huge fan of the podcast. I just wanted to get your thoughts on this topic on uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I know that he went to go interview with the Chicago Bears a couple of weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure that they had some talks about Caleb Williams and what they're going to do with their number one pick. I'm just curious, how do you think that will affect their draft process, knowing that Cliff Kingsbury is a Washington now. All right. So a good question there from Julian insider Julian dropping a voice memo into the mailbox. And I appreciate that. That's a cool little uh, addition that we're making to the show here right now, uh, this draft season and asking about the true impact of Cliff Kingsbury interviewing with the Chicago bears uh, and what that means for this year's NFL draft. Of course, Cliff Kingsbury, now the Washington commanders offensive coordinator did interview with the Chicago Bears for their open offensive coordinator position. Uh, also interviewed with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm not sure who else he interviewed. It looked like he was going to get the Raiders job until the Washington Commanders basically came in there and, and swooped up Coach Kingsbury uh, to come to Washington, much to the delight and to some people the dread of Commanders fans and media everywhere. So Cliff Kingsbury comes to town. And again, as soon as he got hired by the Washington Commanders, everybody immediately said, oh, man, they're going to trade up for Caleb Williams. Uh, when he was interviewing with the Las Vegas Raiders, people were like, hey, what would it take for the Raiders to trade up to get Caleb Williams? When he was interviewing with the Chicago Bears, people said, oh, man, this means they're going to go after Caleb Williams. So the obvious connection between Cliff Kingsbury 
and this year's NFL draft is Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. So what does this really mean? Well, I reached out to Lauren Cox, host of Locked on Bears, and asked him essentially Julian's question. I said, hey, man, I got a question from an insider. I'm going to put this on my mailbag episode, so give me some insight from the Chicago Bears angle of things. And he basically told me that Cliff Kingsbury, when he came in to be interviewed for the office coordinator position, nobody believed he was actually a candidate to get the job. It was entirely from, from start to finish, entirely perceived as a fact-finding mission about Caleb Williams. So yes, the Chicago Bears bringing in Cliff Kingsbury for an interview for the offense coordinator position was about Caleb Williams. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to draft him. It just means they wanted to do as much or get, do as much homework as they could, get as much information on him as they could. And honestly, it could be an agent situation where the agent's like, hey, you want to talk to Cliff about this player that you might want to draft. We want to get the word out there that he's being interviewed for jobs because that makes him more attractive on the public perception market. So you do an interview, we'll give you some information. The Chicago Bears bring him in for an interview, but it's not really an interview. It's basically a fact-finding mission. But at the end of the day, everybody talks about, well, Cliff Kingsbury got interviewed by, by this team, by this team, by this team for offensive coordinator positions. It just makes him look more attractive as a candidate, right? That's how this game is played, uh, to be quite honest with you. Now, the true connection between Cliff Kingsbury and Caleb Williams, and we've talked about this uh, here and there on the show, without talking to Cliff in you know in, in, in depth and 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 in an environment where he can be completely truthful, which is not really going to happen. And then Caleb Williams as well. It's hard to tell what their own personal connection is. Uh, obviously, they had some success as coach and quarterback. But the hard part about that is Caleb Williams was a Heisman winning quarterback when Cliff Kingsbury got to USC last year. And truth be told, USC's offense actually regressed. Caleb Williams numbers, production uh, regressed a little bit to some. On tape, he regressed a little bit. Now, I wouldn't put the blame on Cliff Kingsbury, just like I wouldn't put the benefit for even if Caleb regressed and the offense regressed to a very good offense at USC and still a very good season for Caleb Williams. I wouldn't put the benefit of that on Cliff Kingsbury uh, specifically as a coach either, because again, he's only there for one year and he's advising and all those things. Now, so that's, that's something that's important to remember. This isn't as, as deep a connection as, you know, when Cliff Kingsbury was going to the Arizona Cardinals, there were all these stories about how he really wanted Kyler Murray in college and he recruited the heck out of him and Kyler, you know, likes the system. And, and basically from Jump Street, it was just like this, this love story between Kyler Murray uh, and Cliff Kingsbury that unfortunately unraveled when they were together in Arizona. So I don't think it's that, that deep of a connection, but certainly there's some knowledge, right? And that's where, uh, Cliff Kingsbury interviewing with Chicago comes in because now Chicago has the advantage of more information and information is obviously power and it is incredibly important. So getting a coach's view on a player, on a prospect, right? Because we, we hear a lot of noise on the outside. You hear about his emotions, uh, him crying in the stands with his mother, him painting his fingernails, a lot of things that might point to his personality, but don't necessarily point to whether or not he's going to be successful on a football field, right? Like I can't tell you that him painting his fingernails is going to make him a bad quarterback in the NFL. Now, why does he paint his fingernails? Is there a deeper connection to something else about him? Does that part of his mentality make you a little bit weary about his mental toughness and about his ability to compete and all those things? It might just be dudes like, well, I just knew people would act crazy about it and I wanted to ruffle some feathers. I'll tell you right now, there are players in the National Football League that are very, very successful that are kind of trolls. You know what I mean? They, they kind of enjoy getting fans and media riled up. So that's not necessarily, uh, you know, something that's going to take away from, but that's the information. And I'm not saying the bears specifically ask cliff about Caleb painting his fingernails, but information on the quarterback that they're looking at doesn't mean they're going in on him. And I think that the Chicago bears have done a really good job of keeping their cards close to the vest, not letting everybody know what their intentions is. But 
uh, our intentions are, but that's the advantage that they get out of interviewing Cliff Kingsbury. What is Washington's advantage now that they have, have Cliff Kingsbury? Well, they know the intel that Cliff gave to the Chicago Bears. And there's a pretty good chance that Cliff Kingsbury didn't give the Chicago Bears everything that he knows about uh, Caleb Williams, knowing he wasn't going to get the job. And so now Washington has everything that he gave to Chicago in some of the back and forth. I mean, he's going to get a little bit of a sense of how Chicago feels about Caleb as well. And now he can give Washington even more. So Washington being the number two pick in this year's NFL draft, they have a little bit of a better grasp on what Chicago might do or might be interested in doing at this point in time. And I do say a little bit because, again, this process, you know, Cliff was interviewed by Chicago in January. I mean, you have so many more evaluations, you have the combine, pro days, interviews, all kinds of stuff that are going to span between January and April. So in no way, shape or form does Cliff come in and say, hey, I know exactly what Chicago's doing with their quarterback situation. You know what I mean? Because that's just not how the process really works. But it does help Washington to know at least a little bit of what Chicago knows uh, going into the process now. So the question in Washington now, was Cliff Kingsbury hired to go get Caleb Williams? And I would say, no, absolutely not. That's not the intention behind hiring Cliff Kingsbury. Now, if they let's say the Chicago Bears go with Justin Fields and they draft Marvin Harrison Jr., the number one overall pick, because they think he's just that great. He's the next Calvin Johnson or what have you. And Washington gets Caleb. Is Dan Quinn and Adam Peters going to sit at the podium and tell us, oh, man, we had our eyes fixated on Caleb from the start. We knew that, you know, that of course they're going to. Right. But I think it's a little bit of a far reach to say that the Washington commanders hired Cliff Kingsbury because they're wanting to draft Caleb Williams. More so, you hire Cliff Kingsbury because you like what he brings, you like his system, you like the potential for the quarterbacks you're looking at in the draft, which does include Caleb Williams. I think he pretty much has to, right? So all of that information combined, and if you know, like let's say Cliff Kingsbury is like, bro, like the Chicago Bears were in love with Caleb. Like We talked for like four hours about Caleb. I don't see how they don't go for Caleb. And say the Bears trade out of number one in March, then it gives you some intel and some more preparation to potentially trade back with somebody else if Caleb was your number one and you don't want to settle for another player at number two. Those options come up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. And right now, looking at Wednesday's NBA schedule of games, the Atlanta Hawks are on the road against the Charlotte Hornets and are seven-point favorites to beat the Hornets, which have become one of the worst teams in the NBA. The New York Knicks are on the road to face the Orlando Magic, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites in that contest, while the Philadelphia 76ers are home favorites by three-and-a-half points against the Miami Heat. If you're a Washington Commanders fan, you might be interested in the Washington Wizards game as they are 12-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road against the New Orleans Pelicans. If you don't want to take any of those game lines, you can also find quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and even more on FanDuel.com. So just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot. FanDuel is an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Continuing on down with today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listener, first view today and every day. Every day is come back tomorrow. We're going to dive into the Super Bowl competing teams. Look at their draft history. Look at their free agent uh, behaviors and, and tendencies. See if we can't pull a little bit of intel from Adam Peters and from what championship caliber teams are doing or not doing uh, in, in that episode. So come back tomorrow for that. And we might do another bonus episode of a mailbag. We got a whole lot of mailbag questions. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them here. 
Uh, so we might do a bonus mailbag episode to finish off the week and probably another reset of the coaching staff as news keeps coming in. So a lot of things happening around the Washington Commanders. Locked On has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. So Locked On Sports today is here for you. 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day. So with everything going on in sports, make sure you check out Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel. Several people, insiders, I got Twitters, I got YouTubers asking about trade partners. Mostly people are interested in trading back, but there are also some that are interested in trading up to number one. And we just talked about Cliff Kingsbury and his connection with Caleb Williams and what that may or may not mean. Now, there is a possibility, even though I say I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say the Washington Commanders hired Cliff Kingsbury specifically because they want to go after Caleb. Doesn't mean that it's not possible. It's certainly possible. And if that's the case, using the trade pick value charts, we can kind of estimate what a trade package might look like for the Commanders to trade up number one overall. So the number two overall pick, which Washington Commanders currently hold, right, is worth 2,600 points on the Rich Hill trade value model, which most popularly used by Bill Belichick uh, for years while he was with the New England Patriots. Now, there's also the Jimmy Johnson model for trade value points. Uh, by my understanding, my impressions, he was basically the first to really employ trade value charts to, to, to evaluate the equity in each pick to make sure that he was getting a good and fair deal. So he kind of made that whole thing popular and it's kind of evolved from there. So I'm going to use a Rich Hill model. I'm going to use that 2,600 point valuation for number two overall, while number one pick overall carries a valuation of 3000 points. So there's a difference here of 400 points, which is equal to the 50th overall pick in the NFL draft. So in a trade up scenario, that's basically the minimum, essentially number two and number 50 to the Chicago bears for number one to make the values precisely equal. Now, Washington doesn't own the number 50 overall pick, so they can't give the 50th overall picks. Now you're looking at basically number 40 overall, which is the pick that the commanders have from the Chicago Bears in the Montez Sweat deal. That pick is worth 540 points. So when you combine the number two overall pick and the number and the and the number 40 overall pick to the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bears actually end up with a surplus of points. And you could potentially say, oh, well, let's take a sixth round or a fifth round or whatever to make the points equal again. But you also have to remember that there is usually inflation accounted for when a team is trading up for a quarterback and you assume if the commanders are trading up for number two to number one, they're not doing it for a tackle. They're not doing it for Marvin Harrison Jr. They're doing it for a quarterback. So the what? So the Chicago Bears, that's basically the floor, right? Number two and number 40 is the floor because the inflation for quarterbacks really is, is, is not something you can put a hard evaluation on it because Chicago is going to perceive that they have leverage because they have the pick. Now, Washington wants to get the quarterback that Washington wants to get, right? Washington is going to perceive that they have leverage because even if the Chicago Bears don't want Caleb Williams, but they want to trade out of number one, they only require Chicago to trade back one spot. Then you can still get the guy number one on your board while trading back to even number three puts you at risk if you're the Bears of losing your number one guy. So if Chicago has Caleb number one, it's a non-starter anyway. They're just going to sit there. They're going to take Caleb Williams and the conversation of trading up is moot. So the only way... They trade back is if they don't have Kayla Williams, number one, and they believe that whoever they're trading up with, the Washington Commanders in this scenario conversation, has Kayla Williams as number one. They assume their trade partner is not going to take that person that they want because that doesn't make any sense. If they've got Marvin Harrison Jr., number one, they're not going to send that pick to Washington if Washington's like, yeah, bro, we love that receiver at Ohio State. That doesn't make any sense, right? So at a minimum, you need the Chicago Bears to not want Caleb Williams. You need the Chicago Bears to want to trade back, but then you need to leverage the fact that, hey, Ben, you trade number three. Like, we think you want Marvin Harrison. You don't let us have Caleb at number one. We're going to take Marvin Harrison. So you just trade back one spot. You basically do what the Niners did with the Bears back in Mitchell Trubisky and all that stuff. Trade 
and you say, look, trade back one spot. You still get to do as number one at your, at your, on your board. You get a little bit of extra draft capital. Maybe get your 40th overall back and we get the number one pick. And, you know, that would be a pretty fair deal, I think, for everybody involved. But again, it's up to what the other side thinks that their, their leverage uh, is really worth. So that would be the minimum. Number two, number 40, bare minimum. You're going to have to give that up. Uh, to get the number one overall pick to, from moving up from number two. But what about moving back, right? A lot of people are trade back uh, fans. I'm typically a trade back, uh, you know, advocate in NFL drafts. I like the idea, especially if you're, if you're the higher you're picking, the more you have to hit on that pick, right? You look at the Washington commanders. Like if you pick a quarterback at number two, you have to hit on that quarterback. Like you really don't have a choice but to hit on that guy because that is a massive, massive amount of draft capital uh, to spend from a valuation standpoint. So if you are not sure about the guy, like you might like him, but if you don't love him, that's a kind of the, the, the analogy I always use, then you're better off trading back, trade back, get a guy that you like again, somewhere else, but then you also get more bites of the apple to potentially find a blue chip player and all pro a pro bowler uh, contributor for years to come. So that's just kind of the strategic way of looking at trading back. So, Obviously, uh, some candidates to trade back three, four, and five. The New England Patriots hold the number three overall pick. They had, that's a four hundred point difference. So the Washington Commanders are owed four hundred points. You give you swap two and three. And the New England Patriots owe Washington a four hundred point value uh, draft pick. Now that's number thirty four is essentially that, and the Washington would have a little bit of a surplus. But if New England is trading up to get a quarterback, then that surplus is worth it. So you're looking at a floor of number three and number 34 to Washington for number two. And if you think about it, like, I mean, if you come in this thing, you're like, we like Drake, we like Jaden, we can work with either one of them, trade with New England, let them get the quarterback they want more. You take the other one because you like them both and you net yourself the number 34 overall picks. Now you end up with number 34. I think, what is it? Number 36 and number 40. That's three picks in the, in the first 10 picks of the second round. And if you really want to, you package two of those, move back into the first round uh, and get yourself a fifth year option on another guy potentially. So that's an interesting option. Number four with Arizona is an option that we talked about on mock draft Monday as well. There's an 800 point difference there. So you swap four for two and you still owe 800 points if you're Arizona. That equates out to number 35 and number 66, just straight up if you're not talking future picks, because future picks is where things can get even a little bit more murky as far as doing a solid evaluation on the numbers. And that's where you get with the Chargers, who would owe 900 points after swapping five for two. And really, you look at that's like number 37, number 69, number 106, number 139, just to get to that 900 point difference. So the Chargers would basically trade up to number two and have no other picks in the rest of the NFL draft, which is typically where future picks come in. But future picks do have to be devalued. Now, there's not a solidified uh, method of devaluing those picks that I'm aware of that's league wide. Some people I've heard they do a one third value devaluation for each year. So if it's next year, we devalue that points uh, point value by a third. If it's two years, we we do it by two thirds. Uh, I've also heard there's standard route, you know, or standard round points. So a thousand for a first round pick, seven fifty for a second round pick, stuff like that. So everybody's got kind of their own, you know, systems. Uh, the furthest I see Washington trading back right now, I think it would be number eight with the Atlanta Falcons. I certainly think the Falcons could be in the market to trade up for a quarterback. That's a twelve hundred point difference. So you're going to give up number eight. So you're going to swap eight for two. But I think Atlanta also is going to have to give up number 43 in the second round, number 74 in the third round. And that still leaves you with 510 points left. That's a lot of points. So I think that's where you get into future day two picks. So number eight, number 43, and say future day two picks. Or you could even do number eight, number 43, and next year's first round pick, which is worth about 730 points uh, in evaluation. If you devalue it, that's about the 24th or 25th overall pick. And if you're Atlanta, 
you feel like, you know, getting that quarterback of your future might make you a playoff team, might worth, may be worth that swap. So certainly a lot of interesting things to look at there, but I don't think the commanders trade out of the top 10. If they do trade back, I think the furthest they trade back is number eight. And of course, all those what ifs, all those point valuations, all of the the inflations of quarterbacks makes doing mock drafts a little bit tricky when you involve trades. That's why a lot of people don't involve trades uh, because there's a, there's really almost an infinite amount of possibilities. So how do you balance mock drafts, evaluations, and people's grades when you're doing these mock drafts? To try to be as realistic as possible. That's something we're going to talk about coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This episode of Locked On Commanders brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and to even level it up to peak performance. They've got superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. So whether it's your speed or your power or your style that you're into, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for with with eBay's guaranteed fit. Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back because with eBay Motors, you're going to burn rubber and you're not going to burn cash. With all the parts you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Wrapping up today's mailbag episode of Locked On Commanders with a question from Billy, who's been doing some mock drafts and has some questions about some weird behavior going on in the mock draft machines and systems around the interweb. Uh, Billy says, I draft on PFF, Pro Football Focus, but sometimes the rankings don't line up with many of the scouting reports or even other mock draft sites. For instance, PFF currently ranks Michael Penix Jr. at 29, but he usually falls into the second round. How likely is that to happen in real life? Uh, But NFL Draft Buzz has him ranked ninth overall. Also, I frequently traded down with the Giants when they come up. Uh, how likely are they to trade away Kayvon Thibodeau? PFF always lets me do this, but it doesn't seem like something the actual Giants would ever do. So, uh, Billy, I agree with you. I don't think that the Giants are going to be trading Kayvon Thibodeau. So, yeah, while while mock draft machines will let you do a lot of things, and that's that's kind of something, if you pay attention to mock draft Monday episodes and, and kind of what I say, I do a lot of times, I will do these trades, and this sometimes gets people really upset because when I do these trades in mock drafts, I hold myself to point values, right? I don't allow myself to inflate for quarterbacks because the inflation part of the conversation for draft trades is really where things get a little bit wonky and where you get these, these insane packages. But in order to do that, I have to be able to tell you, well, the, the, the Chicago bears GM, like, or no, that that's probably bad. It's the, the, the Atlanta Falcons, we just talked about them. I've got to now get in the mind of the Atlanta Falcons, which I don't cover the Atlanta Falcons. I don't watch the Atlanta Falcons on a daily basis. If they play in season, which I obviously did this last season, I pay attention to them more than I would any other season. But for the most part, I don't know anything more about the Atlanta Falcons than you do or you know the guy down the street does or whatever. So for me to tell you, here's what the Atlanta Falcons would be willing to give up is, is really hard to do. Now, the PFF you know, draft systems try to do the same thing, and they want to give you as many options as possible uh, so they allow you to to include players in there and all those things. So that's why if you hear me say when we talked about the Justin Fields trade, I tell you what the trade is. And then I also tell you. So in order to make this trade work, basically, we value Justin Fields at a you know second round grade. 
And the reason I went there is because Adam Shefford and Albert Breer are reporting that the Bears want at least a second round grade for Justin Fields or a second round pick. So if you want at least a second round pick for him, that's basically where you value his his valuation, right? His second round uh, draft capital you know, window. So when we did the talk about the Chicago Bears trading for number two overall, we gave Justin Fields in that deal a second round valuation. Uh, for for points, and then we stick to the points. We don't do any other inflation in those drafts. And again, sometimes that makes the draft packages come out less than what people would like. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes honestly, I've been told it makes it more than people would like. But uh, you know, we we stick to the point values here on the show because that's the only real solid information we have. And even then, I can't really tell you that the Atlanta Falcons use the Rich Hill trade value chart. I can't. I don't know that for for sure for a fact. You know what I mean? I don't even know if Adam Peters uses the Rich Hill draft value chart. So again, it's. It's speculation season, right? So that's what a lot of this is all about. But you try to stay rooted in reality as much as you possibly can. And Kayvon Thibodeau from New York Giants was absolutely an integral part of of that team. So there's not going to be a whole lot of conversation about him being traded. Uh, When I did the Justin Fields trade, I got asked about uh, some other players. I got asked about, you know, trading for Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Well, as of right now, there is no indication that the Minnesota Vikings are interested in trading Justin Jefferson. So if a legitimate report, and I don't mean like a bleacher report, trade idea, speculative thing. I'm talking about, you know, an Adam Schefter, and Ian Rappaport, a Vikings beat reporter. If someone says, hey, the Vikings are open to trading Justin Jefferson, then we can start having that conversation if it makes sense for Washington Commanders. Uh, Hassan Reddick, you know what I mean? There's a there's a legitimate report out there that Hassan Reddick was given permission to seek a trade from the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, he has since come out and said he didn't ask for a trade. He wants an extension. But, you know, there that's a story to watch. But we do know now for a fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are at least open to trading Hassan Reddick. So if we wanted to talk about trading for Hassan Reddick, which I actually, actually do have a mailbag question about that we're not going to be able to get to today, but we'll save for later, either that or a command huddle. Um, you know what I mean? Like now we'll use Hassan Reddick if, if, if it makes sense. But I'm not going to just go out there and be like, well, let's see, you know, to trade for Joe Burrow from the Cincinnati Bengals, what will the commanders have to do? Because it's not something that as of right now lives in the realm of reality. So really it's, it's self-governing. You know what I mean? As far as the grades are concerned, that's all I have to beholder. You know what I mean? Like there's look at my comments. You got guys who, who will absolutely, who want to, who want to fight me in the parking lot. If I don't say Jane Daniels is the next franchise quarterback for Washington Commanders. I got commenters who say that Drake may is the dude. We got people who say the Washington Commanders should give up anything. to go get Caleb Williams. Like it's all I have to beholder. There really is no, solidified way to say, boom, no matter what, this guy is a perfect fit for whatever, or this guy is going to be whatever. You know what I mean? We all have uh, our eyes. We all look at what we look at and no one is, is, you know, more right than the other. It's all about at the end of the day, what the people inside the building think, what they do with that player and how they execute that. So, you know, NFL draft buzz, I can't speak for them, but they might have Michael Penix Jr. Ninth, ninth overall because they're giving him a quarterback boost, right? You talk about that inflation for that position importance. And PFF might have Michael Penix Jr. in 29 because they're raking all the players, stacking all the players, but then stacking them within their pos- position group. So, you know, this defensive tackle is a better defensive tackle than Michael Penix Jr. is a quarterback. So he's ahead of Michael Penix Jr., even though Michael Penix Jr. may get drafted ahead of him because of position importance, right? And Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. That's how he does. It. He doesn't do his top 50 as a mock draft. He does his top 50 as in this is the best player, you know, relative to position uh, fit that, that, that he sees in the NFL draft. So it's, it's all really subjective. It's all relative, uh, which is why if, if you ever comment to me, Hey, I think 
uh, JJ McCarthy is the best quarterback in the class. I'm not going to get mad at you for it. You know what I mean? Um, because it's all subjective, but people will get mad at you for your subjective opinions, obviously. Um, so hopefully that helps you. So when you're doing these mock drafts, really the true answer is you got to regulate yourself. You know what I mean? If you know, it's not realistic, then, you know, then maybe back off there. I mean, if you're just having fun with it, if you're like, ah, oh, let's look at what it came on to, there's nothing wrong with having fun with that. That's kind of the whole point, right? It's entertainment. But if you're wanting to put together like a legitimate quote unquote mock draft, then you got to kind of have to govern yourself as far as the world of reality is concerned. Uh, so good question there. Hopefully, you know, that helps a little bit. Um, getting into some news. Uh, we're not going to dive too deeply into this, but we do want to cover it. We will talk about it in a later episode. The Washington Commanders are adding San Francisco 49ers assistant head coach Anthony Lynn to the team as their run game coordinator. I can't I can't think that you're bringing Anthony Lynn in to be your office of run game coordinator unless you're planning on using your run game. So that's good news for those of you who are Brian Robinson fans and, and all that stuff. Uh, that, that position was previously held by uh, coach Juan Castillo under Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy. Uh, probably means that Juan Castillo is not returning. Uh, the team also added Sharif Floyd as their assistant defensive line coach. Now they decided, they hired him as assistant defensive line coach, which means to me that maybe Jeff Scanina, who is the defensive line coach, is going to be staying with the team. It, it would be weird to me to hire an assistant defensive line coach before you hire a new defensive line coach. So I feel like that means Jeff Scanina is probably staying. And Bobby Ingram, the wide receiver coach that came on last year, will be staying with the team according to reports. So some more coaching news developments, of course, we'll be continuing to talk about that as the, uh, the off season progresses coming up tomorrow. What do the off season trends from Super Bowl teams tell Washington to do this off season? That's what we'll be talking about. So come back for that. In the meantime, if you've got questions or comments, just throw them in the YouTube comment section or text me directly by becoming a locked command, locked on commanders insider by going to join subtext.com slash locked on commanders. Don't forget to check out locked on sports today. The first ever 24 seven live streaming channel on YouTube, live streaming sports channel on YouTube. As always, thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listener, first view today and every day, every dayers. Thanks for coming back again. Hope you do as well tomorrow. Until we speak again, please, if you're out about, be safe, be kind. We'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.